This podcast is recorded in front of an unwitting audience. This is True Crime Kent. And we are back up. We're back. Episode 37. This is 37. And I'm glad we're getting it done so people will fucking leave me alone. And we haven't been laying on our ass. I've had COVID-19 and... Still not feeling good. Haven't tasted or smelt, smelted anything. I, I don't even know. I don't even know what taste or smell is anymore. It's been forever. My whole family had COVID. We haven't been laying around. Stop messaging me, please. <laughs> Do you know who else has COVID? The queen? Uh, no, she doesn't. No. <laughs> you know what, who? though? That's the American way. When If the queen were here and she died, they would test her for COVID post-death. And be like, yep, counter. It's another one. <laughs> Even though she died of like being ancient, she also had COVID. She so. died of fossilization. <laughs> but do you know how they I- say that the tips of her fingers towards the end started turning to stone? <laughs> and that's how it gets you every time. But do you know who else has COVID? Who? Everyone at a horror hound convention. <laughs> Oh, no, I, st- I, I got over it before that. I know. I had tested negative. I know so because like, I was driving in, driving around in a car with you. We were kissing. We did all the things just to prove. Just, and that's what you were like. Let's prove to everybody that, that I don't have COVID anymore. You got to kiss me really hard. Kiss me on the mouth. And I did yeah. it, and you're like, let's try it one more time. Just and it was sure. weird because we were the only two in the car. Yeah, it was weird. We weren't really. No, we didn't record it or anything. We were just proving it to ourselves. Yeah, I had I had the COVID had come long before we did the convention. I, it was just that I rolled from COVID right into a bad sinus infection. Yeah, so I did have a sinus infection the whole convention, and I wanted to kill myself, and I still want to kill myself. <laughs> well, and if you go by every elevator ride that we had during the convention, we had a lot of things because we got in. We would get in the elevator and be like, "So how's that rash you're working on?" And everybody's like. Oh my gosh, are they talking about a rash? But there were a couple people who didn't respond at all when we were like, how's that non-gonococcal urethritis? And they're like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm, that worried me more. (laughs) Uh, Okay, all right. right, Sorry, I know you've got, you got to exercise, exercise the demons. You got to exercise these demons. Okay, I'll shut up. Get them out so people will stop messaging me (laughs) for God fucking sakes. (laughs) We're still doing TCK. Nothing has changed. We've just had a run of the COVID-19, and then we also did a, a convention, and we got to meet a bunch of listeners, and that was fun. So we have been so we, we were gone for a while for that, and it's just been busy, and now we're back, and everything's going to be okay. Well, we started a daily show between the last episode and this one. Yeah, so if you—I've never done this before. If you go to—if you're a listener of TCK and you would like to hear more, go to patreon.com. And then look up 1159 Media, and we do a daily show over there on Tier 13. And Tier 1159. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? And and the Tier 1159 tier. And Tier 11. Yeah, and if you're thinking that doesn't make any sense, I agree. I don't have anything to do with that. That's some of Ops shit. I don't even know where any of the stuff that I make goes on Patreon. I just know he puts it there somewhere. So if you're frustrated, me too, baby. Me too. I've been a Tier 13 patron for two years now. Two years now. I, I I have a foot 
in everything that 1159 Media makes, and I've been a patron for two years now. <laughs> to hear your own content. <laughs> to hear the con. I can't even listen to the content that I make unless I pay $13 a month. But if you want to pay $13 a month and get the daily show, which is between, and it, we, we promised when we started it, it, was, it would be between 30 and 45 minutes a day. Me and Op each bring a story, and we tell the story. So we started 30, 45 minutes a day. If you would like to hear a two-hour episode <laughs> every day, every day, true, except for Saturdays and Sundays, we do take the weekends off and major holidays, right? Hanukkah, um, you can go to patreon.com and look up 1159 Media and join our Patreon and support us, and we would appreciate that because my kids like toys and Pokemon, and my kids like um, Pikachu and, and Bulbasaur and Charizard, and uh, they like... Are those sex uh, toys that you're saying right now? Sounds like it. Yeah. I'm sure they do make Pokemon sex toys. Bulbasaur yeah. sounds like something you'd like... Someone would be interested in putting in their bum. Charizard is actually the code name they had for Paul Walker when they brought him on, <laughs> brought him in on the gurney. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wow. And that was probably, you know, we've been doing TCK a while, probably the most distasteful joke I've made. Um, <laughs> we're going to get right into this, operator. Okay. Um, and I'm going to start with a question like we always do. Did you ever get into weightlifting or anything like that, Op? And if so, if you did get into into modified to, you know, having the perfect body, um, what happened? Well, my first experience with weightlifting was uh, I was a missionary trying to lift the spiritual weight off of people. So, yeah, yeah, did that. That was pretty fun. Right. It was really good. Um, changed I know it. you were a model for uh, yeah. Tommy Hilfiger no, or uh, uh, Eddie Bauer. Liz Claiborne. Eddie Bauer. <laughs> Liz Claiborne. <laughs> yeah, I wore the mom jeans. <laughs> Eddie Bauer. Did you do the modeling where they have like a fucking pyramid on their head and there's a <laughs> dead poodle like sewed to their calf for some reason and they're wearing tissue boxes on their fucking feet? Doesn't make any sense. It's so stupid. And it's just rich people sitting up the sides going, hmm, that's very good. <laughs> no, actually, when I did it, it was in the 90s. So they actually wore the clothes of the people who were sit- that Eddie Bauer was selling. Uh, fun fact, everything I wore, I got to keep. That was fun. So I always, yeah, I was, I, guess. I was always telling them, "Can I wear the winter collection?" Because you get like a four hundred dollar jacket, and you have to do like ten seconds of work to keep it. So that was a fun part. How did you end up as a model for Eddie Bauer? Well, I was I dated a, a model from the elite modeling uh, agency. Humble brag. Well, I, I dated her. What was his name? <laughs> And she was a handful of years older than me. I, I was a senior in high school, and I was I dated her for a hot minute. And she she literally like I went over to her house one time, and she opened a dresser drawer, and it was full of uh, at the time your your airline miles, extra miles that you got were on a ticket, a paper ticket. She had a drawer full of airline miles. Like this this okay. gal, she went everywhere. Anyway. She was like, well, would you ever consider modeling? I'm like, I don't know how to do that. And she's like, well, I've, there's a show coming up uh, for Eddie Bauer. I could get you on. And I was like, all right. So I did that. 
and I didn't do it for very long. You know, I was I was like really stupid and didn't see it as like a potential for a career, which uh, it could have and should have been maybe. But uh, I instead decided to gain weight and become a podcaster. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you don't know this, but I had a little bout of modeling myself. Really? One gig. I had one gig. I was hired when I was 17 years old by the local food line. <laughs> And this is true, to dress as a cow and hand out samples of milk. And I considered it a modeling gig, even though you, I was very smelly and sweaty. And that there was bacteria, I'm sure, on the inside of that costume because it had laid in a warehouse for probably two years before the guy that had worn it before me had sweated in it and nobody had washed it. And uh, it wasn't Eddie Bauer. I think it was... I don't know what's a what's a what's a what's a milk company dairy dairy man big who is big milk <laughs> dairy gold big oh there's actually a company called big milk <laughs> so we're gonna say it was big milk big milk okay <laughs> and they could see my head or even my face but I, I considered it a modeling gig yeah dressed as a cow hanging out Obviously. and I really got into it and uh I like, you know, kiss the uh, people and Should. I mean, I ended up getting fired for, uh, but, um, <laughs> that was a heavy sigh right there at the end. That means you got fired for something pretty intense. <laughs> I took it too seriously. <laughs> took it too seriously. And on weightlifting and, and doing all that stuff, I also did windstraw. And if you see pictures of, there's uh, pictures of me on like social media where I've got my shirt off and I'm all shredded and stuff. That was not real. I mean, it's real. It was that's what I looked like, but it wasn't because of hard work. It was because of steroids. Oh. It was injections of steroids. That was one hundred percent steroids. I did steroids for about a year, and uh, it made my nuts really small. <laughs> it did. It sucked. You know how your nuts get when you've like been snowboarding or sledding all day, and you go inside to pee, and your balls are like all the way up in your in your pelvis, and your nutsack is like really, it's almost non-existent. Uh. No, no, no. Yeah, that's how my, yeah, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So that's how my balls were for like a long time after I did Winstrol. Doesn't affect your penis. That's the rumor, right? And I, as somebody who's done steroids, I can tell you they do not affect, but they do affect your testicles. So I'm trying to translate, girl, I'm trying to translate what you're saying. Are you saying, are you talking about like a, a windstorm in a straw field? Are you saying Winstrol? Winstrol is a type of steroid. Oh, it's injected, and I would I would go left arm, right arm, right butt cheek, left butt cheek, so so that I didn't leave track marks. So you did the track arena. <laughs> yeah, I would go left arm, right arm, right butt cheek, left butt cheek. Switch it up. Track arena. Yeah, and it made my balls really small. And uh, it took a while for those to return to normal. So if you're a girl that likes big old juicy fucking balls, don't get with a guy that does steroids. <laughs> Because he doesn't have them. <laughs> How you doing over there? Oh, I'm <laughs> processing. I'm in a mood today. God. I'm in a... My nose is stopped up. I sound like shit. I feel like shit. And I'm ready to get this out of my system. So right out of the gate with okay. this story, I yeah. want to say that there was a pretty popular movie made about uh, these fellas today that we're going to cover. And it was called Pain and Gain. Did you see Pain and Gain? Um... 
I don't think so. Starring Mark Wahlberg, The Rock, and Anthony Mackie, who is Papa Doc in 8 Mile. No. no, no, no. Yeah, I didn't see you it. you never seen 8 Mile? Yeah, I've seen 8 Mile. You know, you remember Papa Doc? Was he the one that had sex with Eminem in the the factory? On I don't know what 8 Mile. I think we're talking about different 8 Miles. Oh. Um, that was Brittany Murphy, who was also f- f- fucking dead. She's dead. <laughs> Probably from that experience. <laughs> She had sex with Eminem, yes, and then some other fellow uh, there in the in the recording booth. But Anthony Mackie played Papa Doc, but none of this is as re- relevant because we're talking about the movie Pain and Gain with Mark Wahlberg, The Rock, directed by Michael Bay, and the movie is absolute fucking clown shoes. <laughs> uh, they took a lot of liberties with that story, as they often do. There's a lot of unnecessary explosions, as with any Michael Bay movie. Everything in a Michael Bay movie is flammable and explosive. Somebody takes a swig of a Pepsi, they crinkle it up and throw it onto the ground and it explodes like a fucking hand grenade for some reason. <laughs> Kittens explode. They're all full of gasoline. That's the way Michael Bay does movies. Right. <laughs> Fuck you up. <laughs> you are in the mood. I feel like this is the Sudafed PE version of you. Uh, I do have... <laughs> Like 200,000 milligrams of Sudafed SC coursing through my brains right now. <laughs> a half a gallon of coffee. My wife is mad at me. She wanted me to go get sushi and I had to record this fucking stupid show. Oh, that's fun. That For is- this, we're going to Miami, Florida. For this story. Okay. Miami, Florida. We're doing the late 80s, early 90s. This this story spans a few years, so there's not one specific date. But Miami, Florida, it's basically the setting for Grand Theft Auto Vice City. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen, seen played that game. Oh, I love that city game. Of, yeah. yeah the I, city of materialism, ego, and drugs. Flowery button-up t-shirts. Fake tits. Lamborghini countaches. Beaches. Skimpy bikinis. Cocaine. We've all seen Scarface. Can I tell you one quick story? What? <laughs> that wasn't really permission, but I'm going to take it. Yeah. So uh, one day, like I was really hooked on on Grand Theft Auto Vice City. I loved Were playing you? it. Yeah, everybody was. It was right. great. You did the it did the slow motion thing when you jumped your car. I yeah. loved that. I would just jump, look for jumps. So this one day, okay. The, there's so much story here, but I'm just going to give you the de- the top details, and then people can like try to get it out of my mom online, maybe or something. Anyway, so. Um, my mom was 52, and uh, I wasn't, and I was really hooked on Grand Theft Auto, and for, for a, a minute, I was living back home, and so I had my, my, my uh, PlayStation set up upstairs, and, uh, and I, or was it Xbox? It might have been an Xbox One. Whatever it was, I can't remember. It didn't have Vice City on Xbox, I don't think. Must I might be PlayStation wrong. then. And I have some PlayStation upstairs on the TV, and from the door that enters into the house, you could see the TV on the opposite wall of the house. Like, it, it, that, that hallway passed through the kitchen, through the dining room, into that living room, and you could see the TV. And so I would play it as much as I could because I was a child, uh, a, a man-child, and then I would go to work and come back and play more. This one time, my mom was 52. 
she was carrying twins at 52. Okay. Because my sister struggled to have a baby. So my mom just one day said, oh, hell, I'll have them for you. And so that's very sweet. That's very Kentucky. My mom did that. So she was inseminated okay. <laughs> through a doctor and she's pregnant okay. with twins. Yep. And uh, I go to work one day and I come back and Grand Theft Auto is just playing on the, on the screen. I can see it through the door. So I kind of slide the door open slowly and it's like playing and you can hear the remote. I can't see anyone, but I hear and I see the, the, the game is playing itself and I walk in and. I look over the back of the couch, look over the couch on the ground, and there's yeah, my... you're very short. <laughs> a lot of people know that. You're only three foot tall, so you yeah. had to... <laughs> Scampered over the couch, more like. I look over the couch, and there is my mom laying on the ground, covered by pillows because she's pregnant, playing Grand Theft Auto. She was hooked <laughs> on it for like three weeks. She wouldn't stop playing <laughs> And that's funny because your mother is so sweet and, like, innocent. And to think of your mother picking up a hooker. (laughs) Well, can you guess how I got her to stop playing it? How? I picked up a hooker and drove the car into the woods. And when she saw the car rocking, she was like, oh, oh, great. Did you kill the hooker afterwards and get your money back? (laughs) That turned her off. I mean, she would beat people with bats all day long and everything. But once she saw the hooker car move, she was like, oh, that's sick. I'm out of here. Murder, all that stuff, yeah. robbing is fine, but sex work, that's where you got to draw the line. She knew the songs on the radio by heart. She yeah. would sing along with them. <laughs> it's a great game. It really is. Anyway, I'm sorry I cut you off. But, I, I mean, I think you'd agree that Grand Theft Auto Vice City embodies the, the feel of Miami. Yes. Materialism and button-up Hawaiian shirts and douchebags yeah. and Lamborghinis. And bats. And did you say bats? bats? Bats. Is that what you said? Bats. Yeah, because you know that's the weapon of choice. For who? For beating people down. Like you get a bat and you beat up just some random guy on the sidewalk. What what video? What vehicle would you say embodies Miami? Because well, I th- whenever I think Miami, I think of the Lamborghini Countach. I think of the Countach. If you're talking about the game, it seemed like the only car I could ever drive was a Sh- Chevrolet Caprice. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But. So, uh, that's our setting today. Okay. Late 80s, early 90s, Miami. Arguably, arguably, the late 80s especially, the most Miami, Miami that's ever Miami'd. <laughs> the late 80s, right? That yeah, was the peak of sure. that was all this Apex, shit. Miami. And our story starts in 1987 up with a man by the name of John Meese. Now, in the long, in long term, this man is relatively, uh, he's not unimportant, but less important. He's not our main character. But it does start with John Meese in 1987. Now, John Meese, he was a Miami Shores accountant. He had gotten obsessed with bodybuilding while he was in college, going to Texas A&M. What? Nothing. <laughs> um, you just were wondering if I was listening. <laughs> I, yeah, I just see. I just hear. <laughs> I mean, I fucking hear, I can hear that. Because I'm rapidly typing, trying to find coin facts related to Miami. <laughs> uh, well, you know, good job of making it seem like it's off the cuff. <laughs> Oops. 
just broke the fourth wall and fucking ruined this show and burned it down because that's why half the people come and listen to these stupid penny facts. So John Meeks had gotten into bodybuilding while going to Texas A&M. I couldn't figure out why. He was probably dorky and a nerd and wanted to make some pecs. So he started injecting wind straw into his right butt cheek and then his left butt cheek and then his left arm and then his right arm. And then he took pictures for Facebook. Hey, my... Stick or Raina, whatever I said, poker. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. So John Meese opened the Sun Gym. He was a businessman in a Miami Shores accountant. He bought he bought a location there at in Florida in my he oh fucking hell. <laughs> he opened the Sun Gym just north of Miami Lakes, Florida, at sixty one thirty five Northwest one sixty seventh Street in Suite Eleven. And this is like a uh, like a. An indu- now, anyway, it's like an, a, a, an industrial park slash business center, you know, where all the businesses are yeah, lined up slammed, in a row together. Right. Kind of a strip uh, strip mall kind of, but not. Strip mall kind of place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like I said, this was at 6135 Northwest, 167th Street, Suite 11. It's a property management company now. So the Sun Gym is long gone and okay. that we're going to actually cover that in the next episode, part two. But yeah, the Sun Gym. Oh, so and the this Sun is a part Gym, one, part two. We're doing. This is going to be a two-parter. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the Sun Gym. He op- this uh, this fellow John Meese. He opens up the Sun Gym, and it was a serious bodybuilders gym. This isn't for weekend warriors. This was no Planet Fitness with their stupid ass fucking lunk alarms and rolls. I'm not carrying a gallon of water around. They probably handed out syringes at the door, and if you couldn't lift two old engines mounted to the ends of deadlift bars, you got taken in the back and raped like a little man boy because you were so fucking weak. Get out of our gym, bitch. You know what I... I'm just going to say... You know what is like a podcast steroid that I think you've been on? Ever since the C word was overused on the last one, I think that just gave you, you're like, hey, if I could do that, like you set the bar so high for swear words there that like, this is, this is. All the rules are gone, baby. (laughs) Join us next season where we say the N word. (laughs) Take that, South Park. Oh, man. So. Yeah, you know Planet Fitness has a lunk alarm? I think I've talked about that. Ooh, it makes me mad. What's a lunk? If you let, if you lower the weight, so when you're, when you're doing deadlifts, yeah. right, the purpose of a deadlift is to release the weight after you get it up. You're not showing off. That's how a, a proper deadlift is supposed to be. That's why deadlift weights are padded. They've got rubber around them so that they can be. But if you drop a weight too hard, in Planet Fitness, they released the lunk alarm, oh which is a big alarm that's mounted in the middle of the thing, and it goes, oh my gosh, and it says lunk on it, so you're a lunk. Is it, is and it that's to the, deter you from dropping the weights? Or yeah, is, okay, yeah, it's like it's like labeling you a lunk, which is interesting in a stupid ass gym like Planet Fitness, where their goal is to not embarrass or, uh, you know call attention to anybody right they also hand out pizza at planet that place is a fucking joke i wish all of them would burn down (laughs) you also can't carry around gallons of water because it's intimidating (laughs) h2o intimidating that's weird to the fatties (laughs) but uh, if you come in with a fucking five gallons of mountain dew they're all about it because anyways 
Sorry. Yeah, this the Sun Gym, no Planet Fitness. There were no lunk no lunk alarms, no rules even. Like I said, they probably handed out syringes at the front door, encouraged steroid use, and uh, the less clothes you wore, the better. Because there's also a dress code at Planet Fitness. It's like going back to high school. Do you have to wear purple? Uh, you don't have to. It's optional. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they let you. Okay, good. It's good that they let you. The Sun Gym here. What is happening? The Sun Gym here is. I'm lot headed. The Sun Gym <laughs> was known to be a place for bad guys, uh, serious bodybuilders. Gym, a lot of big dudes. It was, but it was also a place for bad guys. Miami police officers there in, in Miami knew that they could get their monthly quota of felony arrests in one <laughs> night at the Sun Gym, and that's true. Wow. It was like, oh well, like ah, business is slow. Let's just go down to the Sun Gym and knock out the quota for this month. And one night, it's kind of like a Waffle House <laughs> or any business on the opposite side of town from the Barnes and Noble. <laughs> yeah. The employees and managers at the Sun Gym were known to be criminals, and there were also a lot of rumors of drug trafficking and steroid use and all the cocaine. cocaine. But that's pretty. Co- I think cocaine went around in uh, in Miami like kale does in L.A. In the late eighties, early nineties, it was just like a it was like an energy drink. I think I think they just put cocaine in <laughs> water, and we didn't know. We didn't know. <laughs> the research wasn't out on it yet. When you're driving a Lamborghini Countach, cocaine is the least of your worries because you're gonna fucking buy all those button up shirts with all the patterns on them. So many patterns. So many patterns. <laughs> Flashy like neon greens and pinks and. So expensive. Now we're going to 1992. So we just fast forwarded five years. 1992, the Sun Gym has been open for five years. And New Yorker, and a New Yorker by the name of Danny Lugo shows up at the Sun Gym looking for work. Now, Danny Lugo is the main character of our story, if there is one. Um, Danny Lugo, played by Mark Wahlberg in the movie Pain and Gain. He's the main character. Uh, Danny Lugo, actually not a white guy that had been charged with a hate crime in the early 90s. Um did you know that about Mark Wahlberg? That he was a criminal? Yeah. He, he was charged with a hate crime. <laughs> Do you, who, who was it against? I think Asians. Oh. I believe Asians. I think that's okay right now, though. Isn't it all right? No. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, well, it's more okay than like any other race is, is hate crime and Asians. Oh, never mind. On Hulu. If you ever want to know which hate crimes are not okay right now, just check Hulu because they create categories at the top of, of races that you can't make fun of by by letting you know. Here's all the Asian-directed movies that you can, or black-directed movies. If you ever want to know who's who's in and who's out right now, just he- check out Hulu, because they'll tell you in the categories at the, the top. They, they'll force-feed you that. Yeah. So... And liberal universities commit hate crimes against Asians every single fucking day of the week because they make the required grades to get into the universities higher for Asians than those of white and black people. And that's true. That's not even me making things up. That is straight up. If you're Asian, you have to score higher to get into liberal universities. And that and as far as they're concerned, that's 100 percent fair. That's (laughs) what world do we live in? What? Yeah. yeah. It's going on anyway. Progressive. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Yeah. (laughs) Danny Lugo. He shows up at the Sun Gym in 1992. Danny Lugo, he was born April 6, 1963, and at his maximum growth, 
was six foot two and two hundred thirty pounds. So this is the last evolution of he was a Pokemon. This is the final evolution of Danny Luke. I don't know. How do you say adult? This was an adult, six foot two, two hundred thirty pounds. Danny Lugo. He was a fast. He was fast talking. He was charming, and he convinced John Meese that he could be a valuable asset to the Sun Gym. Huh. Was he? Uh, uh, well, we'll find ended out. Up being the worst thing that ever happened to John Meese, Danny Lugo did. But uh, fun fact: Danny had just gotten out of prison after serving fifteen years for a loan scam operation. Oh. Pretty yeah, white not deal Harry. <laughs> no, <laughs> he was on probation for the next three years when he had showed up looking for a job. Now, if you're wondering, like, what kind of loan scam operation he would have been putting on, it's pretty boring. He had just put ads out in a newspaper under a fake name, claiming that he was a loan officer, and then uh, old people and people with uh, I don't Parkinson's disease would call him, and he would take their money and then not give them anything and run with their money. Oh. Pretty simple. Yeah. Pretty simple loan scam. It was the 80s. Well, actually, this had happened in, uh, so this is 92. 92 minus 10 is 82 minus 5 is 77. So he had gotten in trouble in 1977. Oh. Okay. Um, <laughs> trying to keep my comments to a minimum. <laughs> why? Because I can smell the Sudafed from here. <laughs> Part two, I'm just going to be dead. The high will have worn off. And then they killed somebody. Danny Lugo. Do you hear that? Hey, oh, while you're being weary. Oh, hey, there's your wife. What? There's your wife. Isn't your wife in the door? No. I thought your wife was in the door. Stop it. You're freaking me out, man. It, I'm here by myself. Is your she door went to open? Sam's Club. The door is open. <laughs> I thought your wife was standing there. An, an old lady died in this house. Don't start <laughs> waving at imaginary people. You're going to freak me out. Well, I did. I saw it like behind, like, because you can see the edge of the door and the light outside, and it went dark, and then it didn't. I'm shutting dark. the fucking door. <laughs> nobody else is here. <laughs> that was kind of. Swear I saw it though. Yeah. Anyway, you didn't. <laughs> Can we tell the story, please? Yeah, you got right. Go Danny ahead. told John that he was making a computer program that could revolutionize the gym's accounts receivable department, and that's probably a lie. <laughs> we can agree on that, right? He's been out of jail. Can't write ten minutes Can't where he was write. there for fifteen years. I'm sure he didn't jump right into computer programming after being in jail for 15 years. Computers, by the way, still relatively new at this time. Probably doesn't have a computer program that's going to revolutionize the gym's accounts receivable department. All we need is a computer the size of a room. Wow. Yeah, this warehouse is nice, but can you buy the warehouse next door as well? Because I'm working on a program, and it's going to need the whole, about 900 square foot, enough for Kent to dehumidify. <laughs> And if you like that joke, go to Patreon and join our Patreon 1159 Media, where you'll hear the Daily Show, and we and that would make the dehumidification. Anyways, <laughs> make the dehumidification joke funny. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> John, John, who was like I said, an accountant, jumped at the opportunity to have some revolutionary program. Uh, <laughs> 
to <laughs> to change the uh, business side of his gym, and he hired Danny there to be a personal trainer at the gym. Oh. Now, we need to point out that John in the past had had a lot of managers that stole from him as he, he made it a, a, a habit to hire convicts, criminals, and drug dealers. So, uh, didn't have a good hiring eye, I would say. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying you shouldn't hire cons, but just maybe not all cons. Especially ones maybe. that come to you saying that they could write a computer program, maybe. Yeah, and especially cons that you can't physically wrangle in the event of an altercation. Because <laughs> not only is he hiring cons, he's hiring seven foot nine, three hundred sixty pound cons. <laughs> if you're gonna hire a con, make it a skinny crackhead con, <laughs> one that you can fucking grab and like wrestle if he gets on some meth. You don't want a seven foot meth head <laughs> that can bench four eighty. Loosen your warehouse, trying to put a program together, a computer program. Buying. John, just not a good manager, I would say, but he had managers that stole from him. They were all shitheads. Everybody that worked for him, shitheads. And John, uh, he just had shit for brains when it came to hiring people. Uh, people would come in for the job application process. They're like, I'm a convicted animal rapist and currently wanted in nine states for fingering corpses. <laughs> oh, yeah, there was also that little mass murder down in Alabama. Forget about that. Hope it doesn't affect my chances of getting on here. And Danny's like, don't be silly. We all make mistakes. You're hired. <laughs> Just don't finger any corpses in the back room. That's where we eat oatmeal. Uh, uh. Look, Op, the Sun Gym, they weren't, it wasn't running gangbusters money-wise. He wasn't getting rich. John Meese wasn't. Matter of fact, he's probably scared every day of his life if somebody didn't pay their membership. Because what the <laughs> fuck is he going to do about it? Yeah, that's a good point. I've always wondered that about gyms. Like, how do you collect from a guy that's the size of a wall? Like, I don't yeah, know. You, and, you know, John Meese goes up. He's like, uh, your your rent, your membership is due. And the guy's like, no, it's not. <laughs> and John's like, I'll go check. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. It's not due. <laughs> Please take your finger out of that corpse. <laughs> I get tired of you bringing that in here every Tuesday. Gives a whole new meaning to the word deadlift. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> That's what you did there. I almost like it more when you don't laugh than when you laugh sarcastically. <laughs> I actually did enjoy that one. I just like hurting your feelings. Thanks. Danny also led a small gang. <laughs> Danny Lugo. So Danny Lugo, this main character here that just got hired right out of prison uh, for, for pretty white-collar crimes. Danny also led a small gang of meathead, small-time criminals. It was pretty relatively low-level stuff, thievery and such, stealing fucking VCRs. They were like a knockoff version of the Foot Clan from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Nothing major, just, you know, punk stuff. And they used the gym, Danny's little meathead criminal crew, used the, the Sun Gym as their headquarters. Danny's best friend and a fellow member in his gang, his right-hand man, Noel Adrian Dorball, was basically Danny's bitch. And uh, Noel Adrian Dorball is played by Anthony Mackie in Pain and Gain, Papa Doc. Yeah, you keep saying Papa Doc, but I don't know who that is. Papa Doc was the arch enemy of B-Rabbit. I'm going to Google Eminem's him. character in 8 Mile. Papa. 
He also plays uh, a character in the Marvel Universe, but I can't remember that character's name. Falcon, maybe, or Birdman, Bird Boy, or Robin Fellow. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. He's, well, now he's the, uh, he's upgraded to um, Captain America. He's Captain America. Yeah, now. not Black Panther. Not Black Panther, right. Yeah. So he, he plays this character in Pain and Gain, and uh, Anthony Dorval was not a black man in real life. He was a... Uh, he was a. He looks almost like Spanish. Actually, everybody in this story looks Spanish, like Italian kind of a Italianish. Kind of a, yeah, Italianish kind of maybe maybe even Mexican or Italian Mexican Greek maybe because Greek. Yeah, Jewish maybe Zimbabwean, <laughs> South African, <laughs> South African definitely. So Noel Adrian Dorball was Danny Lugo's uh, bitch member in his gang. Uh, Noel did anything that Danny wanted him to do. He ran errands, made protein shakes, gingerly massaged uh, Danny Lugo's quads with Icy Hot when he went too hard on fucking leg day. Wow. That kind of thing. Normal stuff. Normal stuff. Just his quads, they get sore. I have somebody to rub Icy Hot on them. Then if you sweat, it gets into your genitals and it starts feeling like the tip of your penis is really cold. I don't really think that's ever happening. Anywhere, like you just froze your genitals in an ice cube. No one's that. You ever got ice hot on your icy hot on your genitals or your nipples? No, no. I, I uh... kind of fun. You should give it a shot. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna gonna do that. Noel Adrian Dorball had grown up in Trinidad, and uh, he had migrated to Florida with his family when he was a young man. He met Danny Lugu at the Sun Gym when he was 18 years old. And it is there that Danny had taken him under his wing and made him his right-hand man in his little Foot Clan Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles gang there. But they're getting ready to step up to big-time crime. So now almost immediately after getting hired here at the Sun Gym, Danny Lugo, he meets a gym regular there who was fresh out of prison for white-collar crimes. And after chit-chatting for this fellow for a few weeks, Danny suggests to him that they get into some crime together. And uh, if you notice that I'm not saying the guy's name, it's because it's been hidden from history. Oh, so really? We don't we don't know his name. And but after chit chatting with this with this young man for a few weeks, Danny suggests that they get into some crime together. And the scam this time is establishing fake medical companies. So what they would do is Danny Lugo and this unnamed man would rent mailboxes at local post offices, and they and they bought information about Medicare recipients. Stuff like names, social security numbers, birthdays. Each person's info, $10 a piece at the time. Or a name, a social security number, and a birthday. So they were, this guy's interesting because he, he's definitely into like white collar crimes. Like, oh yeah, at first. Okay. Cause, it yeah. escalates pretty quickly. But yeah, right now we're still into, we're still into that crime where you're going to get ass raped when you get to prison. Because I'm looking at him, and he doesn't, uh, I don't know if white-collar criminals have a look, but he doesn't have that. <laughs> I think that's because you're racist. Yeah, that, that could be. You look at somebody that's Why? not white, and you're like, oh, he's carjacking. <laughs> I didn't Definitely mean in there that. for carjacking. It doesn't have anything to do with taxes. No, like if you looked at the prison sheet on this guy to be like, scars? Nope. <laughs> Identifying features? Nah. Uh, that's what I meant. Probably also some racist. They would buy this information from me- about Medicare recipients that had their names, social security numbers, birthdays, $10 a piece they gave for this information. But then they would mail bills to the government for non-existent medical services provided to these recipients. 
So they established a fake medical company, right? Yeah. They would get the information for these Medicare recipients, names, social security numbers, birthdays, and then they would bill the government for medical procedures performed on these recipients that they never performed because it's not even a real medical company. And the people never showed up. And they never, they never, and then they would get paid for these bills from the government. Fake procedures. Interesting. Interesting, very interesting, and very boring. Well, yeah, yeah, but money, 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 money. Oh yeah, that's a lot of money. Eventually, Danny's partner here, the the fellow that we that shall not be named, started getting scared and decided to go on his own way. He he thought they were flying too close to the sun and their wings were about to melt. So uh, he he vanished. So Danny then deposited all of his stolen money into a mutual fund under Adrian Dorball's name, his little bitch, the the character played by Anthony Mackie, Papa Doc. Uh, yeah. He did, he did this because he still owed money to the victims of the scam that he had been in prison for for 15 years. So he didn't want the government to know that he had this other, this other money. Because, mm. you know, at this point, he's still paying off his last crimes, and any money that he gets, a certain percentage, goes to the victims of his scams from previous uh, criminal activity. I might even argue that... Uh, all criminal activity, they don't like divulging the amount that they've, they're making to the government. I, I can't think of a lot of ones where they're like, yeah, okay, but we'll, we'll let the government know what we're making. Within one year of working at the Sun Gym, Danny was promoted to a manager. And that's so Sun Gym. That's so <laughs> John Meese. <laughs> Surprisingly, Promote the guy him. out of fear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This guy's paying to, uh, to keep this gym opened. Well, if you think about it, it's probably not a bad idea to have a real tough guy be the manager because how else are you going to collect, right? I've had a paper route. I know what it's like to try to go collect paper route dues from a Vietnam vet. Not easy. Yeah, what do they tell you? They don't even say anything. They just stare at your face. You're nine years old. They start going on about the Viet Cong. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I just want 96 cents, sir. Because that was probably around 54, 55, right? Yeah. <laughs> 10 Maybe. Weeks worth of newspaper deliveries. I don't know how it worked back then. Uh, we delivered on horse-pulled buggy. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that old. All the papers you delivered were written on papyrus. Papyrus. <laughs> through scrolls <laughs> all the vietnam vets wore togas well yeah they did so so what so danny lugo after he gets gets his promotion a year into working at the sun gym he quickly becomes the top dog at the sun gym the employees there admired and feared him they were afraid of him as well as john beast and clients came to him to fix their problems not just problems with you know my fucking triceps they're not popping the way I want them to. He can help them with that, but also other stuff, uh, criminal stuff. He <laughs> was like the kingpin there at the Sun Gym. Mm. Danny saw himself as like a Scarface type character, even though this is just a stuffy gym full of sweaty, muscle bound convicts and protein farts. There's nothing worse than a protein fart. It's the worst thing on earth, oh. especially when it's coming from a seven foot three, four hundred eighty pound meathead <laughs> that fucking had cocaine for breakfast. <laughs> cocaine and half of an ox. I feel like all I do on this show is just laugh. <laughs> I mean, there is a lot of back and forth. Oh, there's supposed to be. October 1994. 
Yeah. October 1994, Danny Lugo, who is now 28 years old, it's 94, 28 years old, he arranges a meeting between himself, his little bitch, Adrian Dorball, who is now 20 years old, and two other meatheads that worked there. And one of those is 26-year-old Stevenson Pierre, and the other one was 30-year-old Carl Weeks. Now, The Rock's character in the movie The Pain and, the Ga- Pain and Gain Papa is Doc. a fictional character. Oh. Not a real character, The Rock's yeah. character. Okay. The Rock's character was kind of a mishmash of a couple different characters that happened in the real story. Um, the main one being Carl Weeks. So the character of The Rock that The Rock is playing is is mainly Carl Weeks. But what's funny about Carl Weeks and the movie is that The Rock is nine foot fucking ten and eight hundred pounds, and in real life Carl Weeks was like five foot ten and hundred and fifty pounds. Oh. A very small crackhead kind of guy. But he had recently found God and Carl Weeks was a New York native. He was an ex convict like everybody else that worked at the Sun Gym. He had a lot of issues with crack and alcohol, but he had been sober for for some time. And like I said, he had recently gotten religious and found God, so he was clean. So in the meeting, when Danny brought all these guys together, he offered them a hundred thousand dollars for two days of work. It's a pretty good gig. That's a really good gig. That's a pretty good gig. Two days work, yeah. And the job that he wanted them to do was quote take down unquote. A gym member there at the gym named Mark Schiller. Mm. Now, who is Mark Schiller? Mark Schiller is the first victim in our story and the main victim of today's crime. He was a wealthy businessman there from Miami. Uh, he had he had uh, he was from Columbia. Very smart man. Um, had put himself through school by opening multiple businesses as a young man. Uh, very business savvy, um, and he was the typical Miami like success story. Uh, you know, fast cars, um, button-up shirts like we were talking about, glasses, a lot of rings. Was he? Um, was he Eminem in the movie? Was that his character? Eminem was not in Pain and Gain. Up. Yeah. He was Tony Shaloub in the oh. movie. Tony Shaloub's character, Monk. N- none of that. It's crazy because none of that even matters because you haven't even seen the fucking movie. But I know Monk. So but Tony Shaloub plays Mark Schiller in the movie Pain and Gain. He plays Monk too. And he does play Monk, and he's also the father in 13 Ghosts. Haven't seen that. I didn't think you would have, but I'm. But you've seen Monk. Adding so. it to the list, 13 Ghosts. Yeah, I mean, you're only, I don't know, 17 years late on that one. Was it a good also movie? also got Matthew Lillard in it. It's a great movie. Okay. A fantastic movie. Adding it to the list, 13 Ghosts. Got Shannon Elizabeth in it. Who was Nadia in American Pie? That was her claim to fame, showing her boobs in American Pie for some reason. Oh yeah, her. That that scene where she got naked like skyrocketed her to fame. I don't never understand. Saw never saw American Pie. You never okay. Whatever, Mark Schiller. This is the victim today. This is their target. This is who Danny Lugo wants his little crackhead gang here to take down. He was like I said, a wealthy businessman from Miami, and Danny claimed. Danny claimed that Mark Schiller had stolen a hundred grand from him and another two hundred grand from another gym member that worked there named Jorge Delgado. Mm. Okay. Okay. So before we get into what Danny wanted the two thugs to do, let's get into the relationship between Mark Schiller and Jorge Delgado, who is who uh, Danny claims 
uh, Mark Schiller owes two hundred grand to. Okay, Schiller, Mark Schiller, he owned an accounting firm called the Dima Corporation, and they offered services that were reimbursed by Medicare. We get a lot of Medicare fraud here, so they, uh, yeah, they. This is a pretty boring business uh, services for reimbursed that were reimbursed by Medicare. Mark Schiller, he had hired Jorge Delgado to be the office like piss on boy, mm. run errands, clean up, all that stuff. And the two ended up becoming best friends really quick and eventually business partners because Schiller then sold the Medicare portion of the Dima Corporation to Jorge Delgado. And then Schiller stayed on for Delgado, selling to him as a consultant, uh, just kind of help to like take him under his wing. Mm-hmm. So he, he sells this part of, of the Dima Corporation to Delgado and then guides him. He's trying to help make him a millionaire, really. He's like, hey, being a millionaire, he's one of those guys. Being a millionaire is easy. You just got to blow yourself up while your boat's trying. Oh, yeah, kind of like what I'm doing with you. <laughs> mm. I mean that you're doing by yourself. I forgot when we're supposed to. You're doing this by yourself, Kent. Mm. Good job, by the way, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Schiller even Mark Mark Schiller even brought Delgado to his home a lot. Delgado he he trusted Delgado like indefinitely. He he Delgado knew Jorge Delgado knew the security codes to Mark Schiller's house. He knew his daily routine, right down to the times that he leaves his house and everything. He knew he had offshore accounts, and their families even knew each other. So Delgado knew everything about Mark Schiller, every every little aspect of his life. Which is always good when when you're gonna when you need to. I mean, that's the best grifters in the world, right there. They 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 know their target very well. Yes, yeah. And Delgado and Mark Schiller, a really smart dude. I don't know why he did this. It was an intelligent man to let somebody like this into his life that close to know the security codes to his house, even his like everything, the layout of his house. Really stupid because. And also, Delgado claimed that Schiller had been committing Medicare fraud with that portion of the Dima Corporation. And uh, he showed Delgado how to do it himself, how to commit Medicare fraud. Really? Weird. So, Danny Lugo, the lead, the lead meathead here, Mark Wahlberg, was Delgado's personal trainer. And uh, they also became good friends. And uh, Danny Lugo looked at Delgado like a little brother. So you got to keep in mind, Delgado is close friends with Mark Schiller, right? Yep, right. Who he has bought this portion of the company from, and he's also very close friends with Danny Lugo, who is his personal trainer. So he's kind of looked at it like a little brother, like Eminem looked at Rabbit. Like no, not at all, because it's the same person. Mm. Like Kid Rock looked at Joe C. I don't think they were in Eight Mile. They were not in Eight Mile. Um, More like Papa Doc looked at Eminem. No, because Papa Doc and Eminem hated each other, so not also a good reference. Mm. Did uh, Lugo have sex with him? They didn't have sex. I mean, it's in my research, uh, I didn't come up with any cornholing or f- so there's finger, finger blasting popping each other's assholes or any any of that stuff. So they're not like Eminem and and Brittany Murphy either. Then, so no, they weren't. They weren't fucking. Oh, no, I'm having a hard time pinning this one down. Look, Delgado is very close friends with Mark Schiller, the soon-to-be target. Okay. And Delgado is also very close friends with Danny Lugo, the lead meathead at the gym here, who is also a convict. 
Oh. Now, what happened was now it's clear. eventually Delgado tried to bring Danny Lugo, the lead meathead at the gym, into the business venture with Mark Schiller. Oh. So he tried to drag this other guy in to this successful businessman, Mark Schiller, and Mark Schiller thought Danny Lugo was creepy and untrustworthy. Oh. So Delgado is like, oh, you don't like my friend? He got mad, and he told Mark Schiller that if he didn't bring Danny Lugo into the fold, he was out. And, of course, Mark Schiller, being the smart businessman that he was, he was like, all right, go with your convict friend. I'll see you later, I guess. Oh. But Delgado also suspected that over the the length of their friendship, Mark Schiller had been slowly skimming money from him as well. And so he felt like he was owed around $200,000 by Mark Schiller, which honestly is – we can't say it's bullshit. Mark Schiller is certainly not a straight shooter, a law-abiding man. This is an asshole in a Lamborghini Countach with a button-up shirt, glasses, and probably a cocaine fingernail. <laughs> but um, it kind of feels like Delgado was just pissed off at Mark Schiller. So he goes to Danny Lugo, and he's like, that guy owes me $200,000, I think. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Oh. So that's how Danny Lugo gets involved in this. There's, they see a rich guy. That they no longer like, and they're like, we're going to get money from him. The proposed plan by Danny Lugo was to kidnap, beat, and force a confession from Mark Schiller and possibly kill him if they had time. Oh. Time permitted. Oh. I'm going to fucking sit here <laughs> until you say something. Well, I didn't want to say anything too early, but there actually is a new thing, not from the 80s or 90s. There's a new thing called Miami coin. I didn't want a coin fact. Go ahead. All right. Well, Miami coin is a cryptocurrency, which they say if you invest in the Miami coin cryptocurrency, you're helping to rebuild or build Miami. Mm. Yep. Uh, can you guess how that coin is doing? Bitcoin's Probably doing? not. How's it doing? Failing. <sighs> Don't invest in it, people. Yeah. Yep. Don't do it. You done? I'm sorry I gave you an opening. It's fine. I understand. Yeah. I regret it, too. So this crew, led by Danny Lugo, they're going to kidnap, beat, force confession, and maybe kill Mark Schiller at the hopes of getting around a total of $300,000. Now, at first, this group didn't want to do it that Danny Lugo had brought in for this meeting. But uh, unfortunately, they were also terrified of Danny Lugo. And uh, they were they were charmed. They were both charmed and intimidating, t- intimidated into doing it. Mm. So everybody agrees. Hey, we're going to rob Mark Schiller. Maybe kill him. Sounds like a plan. <sighs> Feel like um, I was listening. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out. What to say now. I feel like what's happening right now is I've been watching a David Attenborough do- documentary and suddenly he just stopped talking and is staring at me in the screen like I'm supposed to. Like, like he, he wants, he expects me to say, where'd you go? He just vaped into the camera and disappeared like a witch. That was fun. I'm literally just talking now. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt the past. <laughs> Hour. I was just thinking about how weird it was that my mom got hooked on Grand Theft Auto. 
Actually, I while she was carrying twins, I wasn't thinking that at all. The funny thing was, I was thinking how not weird it was that she was carrying twins at age fifty-two playing Grand Theft. I literally am not shocked at all, and that's what worries me. Are the twins healthy? Yeah, they're like Sam two point age. Yeah, oh, so they're like sixteen, fifteen. Boy, yeah, boy and a girl, very healthy, beautiful children. Crazy. Want to know one fun fact about that? No. Ah. Mark Schiller was... Yeah, what's a fun fact? Uh, well, she has them, right? She cranks out the babies. Yes. Uh, age 53 at this point, she cranks the babies out. And um, they had to go in front of a court still, even though my my mom had nothing to do with it except for just be the mothership. They mm-hmm. had to go in front of a judge and the judge had to read off this whole thing, like saying, "Are you sure you want to give these babies up?" <laughs> like, like my mom was had any ideas other than that. Like, they literally well, gave that my was the mom, plan from the get go. What? That was the plan from the get go. Yeah, to steal their babies and just crush my sister. Um, but that would have so, been a really funny practical joke. It would have. Ha ha! Keeping them. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. What's cra- it's just crazy the way states but, work. Like, like no one in their right mind thinks these are my mom's babies. But then, if she had done that, would then the the would your sister have turned on her husband and been like, "You cheated on me"? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. You had, a, you had babies with another Rightly woman. So. Yeah, he has to pay child support, even though <laughs> to, to my mom. <laughs> This is starting to get really southern. I like to call it a little bit of Oprah, a little bit of Springer. <laughs> Ooh. Anyway, <clears throat> I don't know what happened. Because Mark Schiller was defrauding the government on the Medicare with his Dima Corp- Corporation business, um, Delgado assured Danny Lugo that Schiller wouldn't get the police involved in this. Mm. So they did kind of have this buffer where they're like, even if something goes wrong, he's not going to go to the cops because he's in the wrong himself. He's also committing fraud yeah so what's he gonna do you know even if we so if this goes perfectly great if it doesn't he's not gonna go to the police anyway so that's that's how they felt about the whole thing yeah it's that at this point amongst thieves thing right exactly what are you gonna do yeah and at this point delgado filled danny lugo in on every single aspect of mark schiller's life he gave him his schedule he gave him his house layout um his the the the, the the codes to his security systems, um, his family's names, everything, so that they could bend, begin to make plans to kidnap Mark Schiller. And so up, this fucking clown show begins. Because it's about to get two. really silly. Okay, I'm ready for it. Okay. Well, the first plan, which failed, by the way, was to lay in Mark Schiller's yard with blankets over them. And then snatch him as he came out at 5 a.m. to get his morning paper. Like so we've got under five, five meatheads <laughs> laying in his yard under dark blankets. <laughs> like that's going to make them fucking invisible. Like they've got an invisibility cloak from Hogwarts. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> and then they're going to pop up from the blankets and grab him and run off. Boogity boogity. This happened. Now, this failed when, while they're laying there in the yard under the blankets, cars kept coming by with their headlights on and seeing them. How do they? 
How do they see us? <laughs> they smell the. They probably drive by their windows. They smell the farts <laughs> and the wind straw in the air. Also, a neighborhood dog kept barking at them, <laughs> just standing there barking at them, right at the blanket edge. Right. <laughs> <laughs> After the dog showed up, they got spooked. By the way, 50 cars have probably that like later that week, they, Mark Schiller had neighbors coming up like, hey, did you know you had a bunch of idiots laying in your yard under blankets <laughs> Tuesday morning? Uh, they're like, yeah, the homeless around here are fucking jacked. <laughs> but the dog spooked them. So they ditched the blanket in the yard. So Mark Schiller comes out, there's just blankets laying in his yard. And they ran away while Adrian Doorbell, Doorball screamed, quote, abort, abort, abort. <laughs> this is all true. <laughs> the second plan to kidnap Mark Schiller was to fake car trouble. So they, they, they figured out his route. They pulled their van. They had a van. Off to the side of the road, they pop the hood, and they wait for Mark Schiller to come by. As we've already discussed, this is kind of a shitty dude in a expensive European car that's a businessman, probably on one of those big fucking nine-pound cinder block phones <laughs> that has the antenna. That Not the kind of guy that pulls over and asks you if you need help. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's always a farmer with a barking Labrador retriever in the back in a chicken cage. That I pulls over and asks you if you need help. Right. Did you already say that this plan failed, too? Uh, I don't feel like I have to because it <laughs> failed. He didn't stop. He just drove right on past him. Yeah. Uh. Over the next few weeks, there were six more failed kidnapping attempts. Uh, at one point, what? one of their plans... <laughs> he had to be picking up on it at this point. He's, he's like, not seeing... It, he's not because... They're so far from being even remotely successful that Mark Schiller never even noticed any of this was going on. What? True. This is true. Oh, my God. They were so bad that he didn't even notice that there was like nine different attempts of people tr trying to kidnap him. Nine different attempts, by the way, from five meatheads. Monstrous oh. men. That is, that is unreal. Around Halloween... One of their plans consisted of dressing up as ninjas for Halloween. These are bodybuilders. Yeah. One of them is, uh, most of them over six foot, 300 pounds. They were going to dress up for ninjas, dress up as ninjas, and then knock on Mark Schiller's door like trick-or-treaters and grab him. <laughs> Just to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> These are grown, not just grown men, the fullest, grownest men of all. The fullest grown. What are you Just to be? see them standing there, they're in like eight-year-olds ninja costumes. The, I'm going to be the, a witch. The <laughs> pants come up to their knees. <laughs> their little bitty balls showing out of the... <laughs> Trick can't. or treat. This can't be real. Trick or treat. Oh. I am just a little boy. Oh my Do you have any candy? <laughs> Fortunately, their mask is just barely covering their big fucking roid heads. 
<laughs> Fortunately, they decided against this one. But that was a very serious plan that they took seriously for a minute. But they were like, okay, that sounds ridiculous. Let's go back to the blankets. <laughs> they really? Did, uh, did they really? They really, this was a plan that they considered, yes. Oh, my god! The ninja thing. They didn't do it. In the movie, Pain and Gain, they actually dress up as ninjas. That's actually what they're wearing whenever they kidnap him. But uh, it never came to that in reality. Wow. After every single failed attempt, Danny Lugo, in, in order to, to keep his gang's spirits high, took his crew of meathead dipshits to the strip clubs out in Miami and bought them drinks and gave them pep talks like the coach in every 80s football movie in the locker room ever movie ever made. <laughs> you know, you've seen that scene 200 million times. Like, so I've seen give Hoosiers. Them, yeah, yeah. Coke and booze and titties, and then they're like, ah, we'll get it next time. We'll get it next time. <laughs> Eventually, though, even Danny Lugo gets sick of all the failing. Mark Schiller, completely unaware that they've been failing around him. Oh, wow. And he threatens, Danny Lugo threatens to drop out if they didn't get it together. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what an asset they would have lost. <laughs> he's always threatening, like, y'all are idiots. And he's the one that's making these plans. <laughs> you didn't like the ninja costume idea. The dog, yeah, I know it was barking at our feet while we were laying on the gr- in the lawn when they're under blankets, but oh y'all got scared. Uh. It's at this point that Carl Weeks and Adrian Dorball bring in another man who was six foot four and two hundred and seventy pounds. Why His name they, was. <laughs> why do they keep bringing these giants into the, yeah. the gig? This <laughs> doesn't make any sense. This man's name. Was Big Mario Sanchez. Of course it was. <laughs> Big Mario Sanchez. Gosh. He was a former Sun Gym trainer and also a licensed private eye in Florida. Now, you would think they would call him Big Mario Sanchez because of his size and name, but it was actually because he really liked coins and beating up big lizards. <laughs> what? I just realized how stupid that joke was. I don't even know why I wrote that. was that was pretty fun. That was a Mario Brothers joke. Yeah, that I was, was going to say, Big Mario Sanchez, I believe, is also a sex move. That's it's the a, dirty Sanchez. No. That's where you stick your finger no, in her ass and then wrap the shit across, no, her, it, across her lip like a mustache. It's called a dirty Sanchez. Nah. It's a play on the rusty hook, which is when you <laughs> stick the finger in the ass and then reach around and grab her by the jaw. <laughs> Stick the shit finger in her mouth and grab her by the jaw and pull her head around. Uh-uh. <laughs> that would end the whole the experience. Hook. People would stop and go wash up. Doesn't ever happen. Can't. You ever heard of a ghost? No. Don't want. That's when know. you and your buddy, your buddy hides in the closet, and you have sex doggy style with her facing the window. And then in the dark, your buddy sneaks out of the closet without her knowing and takes control of the situation. (laughs) And then you go outside around the house and wave at her from the window. (laughs) That's impossible. (laughs) And that was a funny joke in the 90s, but now it's just rape. (laughs) There's no way. 
That was the kind of joke that Big Mario Sanchez would tell the Gru while they were sitting in a broken, well, a fake broken down car waiting for Mark Schiller to not notice them once again. Now, they did tell Big Mario Sanchez that they just needed to collect a debt from a drug dealer, even though Mark Schiller wasn't a drug dealer, and they offered him $1,000 to help. $1,000. That's $1 more than $999. (laughs) That's $1 more than three digits for kidnapping. Yeah. Told him, they, they told Big Mario they needed somebody to help intimidate the man. Oh, my gosh. Big Mario agreed. Big Mario Sanchez agreed it, agreed to this because he wanted to be able to get his son a nice Christmas present. Because it's getting close to Christmas. He doesn't have a lot of money. He's like, yeah, I'll take a grand and I'll get my boy something nice. And on November 14th, 1994, up, Adrian Dorball, Carl Weeks, and Mario Sanchez park outside Schlossky's Sandwich Shop owned by Mark Schiller. So he also owned the Schlotzkys. You know what a Schlotzkys is? Yeah. Oh god, they make good. They make they make Subway look like Subway. <laughs> yeah. Cuz Subway is the sandwich shop that you say when you're trying to think of an excuse, of a, of an example of a bad sandwich shop. <laughs> but Schlotzkys is the shit, man. Is a Schlotzkys is a sandwich shop too. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I knew. Mark it. Schiller owned the Schlotzkys. Yep. So he's so, and the Schlotzkys, by the way, it was at 6290 South Dixie Highway. Um, it's a Chipotle now, which is an even far superior restaurant to Schlotzkys. I actually ate Chipotle on the way back from Horror Hound, and you I did. think it was probably delicious. I'm not surprised you go yet because you can't taste or smell. I don't know. It looked good. <laughs> Just crying sitting at Chipotle and. Fucking Ohio alone. Oh, yeah. Raining outside. Can't taste, can't smell, can't feel for the last 20 years. <laughs> Just feel anything. So, yeah, Mark Schiller owns the Schlotzky's at 6290 oh. South Dixie Highway that is now a Chipotle. They pull up there. They wait for Mark Schiller to get off work to come outside to the parking lot. Unfortunately for them, though. Whenever he came walking out, they tried to start their car to get ready for the kidnapping, and it actually wouldn't start this time. <laughs> the, the fake car that was broke down is now really broke down. It's now really broke down, <laughs> and they had to abort the mission. Mark Schiller once again averted being kidnapped for the 900th time by a bunch of meatheads oh. and is completely none the wiser. Wow. I almost want him to succeed at this point because this guy can't see it coming. I almost, oh. So on November 15th, 1994, <laughs> the next day, November 15th, 1994, Adrian Dorball, Carl Weeks, and Mario Sanchez park outside the Schlossky Sandwich Shop owned by Mark Schiller once again and wait for him to come out. Eventually, Mark Schiller does come out, and uh, when he's opening the door to his car, and as he's getting ready, like that that brief moment before you slide your butt into the seat right behind the steering wheel, yeah, the 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 men uh, come up behind him and snatch him from behind. Um, he does grab the steering wheel and tries to hold on as tight as he can, and he tries to fight. But these are a bunch of uh, meatheads. They overpower him. They punch him, and they also hit him with a hundred twenty thousand volt taser. Wow, how'd it do it? They throw him into the back of their creepy rape van. <laughs> And uh, at Schiller, but while they're taking him to the van, he thinks he's just getting carjacked. 
and he screams, quote, while they're dragging him, take my watch, take my money, take my car. Please Unquote. don't take the girl. Right. Take the very breath you gave me. Take heart from my chest. Something about mama's shoes. No? You know what's curious about that song is Tim McGraw in it. It was Johnny. Johnny and his daddy are taken. And then a little girl came through the front gate holding a fishing pole. So was that his sister? Well, either that or, or Johnny's dad kidnapped her already. Because later they're... Because later they describe the second verse of the song is them get he's with the girl on a date, yeah. <laughs> right? And then it's the origin story to Batman <laughs> because they get robbed and he's like, "Take my money, take my wallet. Here's the keys to my car. Here's the watch that my grandpa gave me. Here's my credit card." Mr. Give it a whirl. Don't take the girl. But the robber, right, he was probably like, that was never on the table. (laughs) I just want your money. I'm not taking the girl. Are you fucking psycho? (laughs) This is a robbery. This isn't a goddamn kidnapping. And why are you singing? Why are you rhyming everything? It's like you'd planned for this. I'm a little creeped out. I'm just going to leave you guys alone. Because <laughs> you're really leaning on this kidnapping. I'm not taking her. I just want your credit cards. And then the third verse, she's dying during childbirth. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Schiller, he's, dra- he's getting dragged to the van. He's saying, take my watch, take my money, take my car. Um, They keep going, though, dragging him to the van, and as they're dragging him, he screams, quote, what the fuck do you guys want, unquote. And that's when one of the thugs said, quote, you, unquote. Finally. What's that? Yeah, they finally, for the first time, Mark Schiller is aware that somebody is after him. So they toss him in the back of this van. They order him to keep his eyes shut, and they press a gun to his temple. And as the van starts moving, he's handcuffed, and his eyes and mouth are they put tape over his eyes and mouth. He was then taken to a Dade warehouse there, which is close to Miami. Miami Dade, it's like right in the same neighborhood there. An empty Dade warehouse. And this is when Danny Lugo comes back into the picture. Uh, so they, they pull off this kidnapping. In the movie, Mark Wahlberg is with them when they kidnap Schiller, but uh, in reality, he wasn't um, because Danny Lugo comes back into the picture. And over the next 30 days, Mark Schiller is kept blindfolded, by the way, for 30 days and tortured with a Bic lighter. He's forced to play Russian roulette and he's forced to shit himself. Wow. And while they've got him locked up for the next 30 days in this Dade warehouse, what's that? I just said, wow. They they let him make one phone call uh, that where he could call anybody he wants. And in this phone call, he calls his wife and he tells her to leave everything in the house, take their kids, and go to Columbia immediately. Take so he tells his kids, wife, go to Columbia, 
Make sure you take the girl. And in this case, please take the girl. Please take the girl. That's really bad. Hey. That'd be fucked up. That'd be a fucked up version of the song. Don't take the girl. <laughs> leave her. Don't take her. Hey, can I pee really quick? I have to no. pee. He was made to call his business. Yeah, go pee. And for the listener, this will be two seconds. Because we're going to go. I'm, I'm not leaving. Little, I'm just going to pee right Just go. Here. Just piss. Look me in the eyes and urinate. Okay. I'll be right back. Okay. One eternity later. Now, after Mark Schiller got his one, one phone call, called his kids and his wife and told them to get the fuck out of the country, um, the gang here, they made him call his business partner. <laughs> they made him call his business partners and sign over his power of attorney to Delgado using a script that had been written by Danny Lugo. He was also made while blindfolded to shine a, sign a shitload of documents. And the documents were signed all shitty and not even on the lines because he was blindfolded. And... uh <laughs> He basically signed his whole life away to this crew, everything. And this is one part of the story that like blows my mind still to this day, how nobody ever had any questions about anything. Yeah. Um, they just, it worked. It worked. The only sympathy that the gang showed, uh, the, or the only sympathy by any of the gang members given to uh, Mark Schiller was by Carl Weeks. That was the ex-addict who found God and was his character, the character The Rock was based on. Um, who fed him occasionally, who would give him water and would clean up his blood from the beatings and the torture and all that shit. <sighs> it's also ironic that Mark Schiller's wife did just gather the kids and everything and, and bounce out of the country to Columbia. Never contacted the police. Yeah, that okay, that's what I was going to say is that it just hits me so weird that like they could try that many times like blankets on the yard and all these weird attempts and like no one was like yeah there's something weird happening calls the cops you know they get arrested like that never happened and then he just fucking vanishes <laughs> yeah for a month He's tied to a chair in this warehouse, blindfolded, signing everything he owns away to these assholes. And, oh, by the way, Op, throughout this month, Danny Lugo, he's spending a lot of time at the warehouse where they were keeping Mark Schiller, right? His wife, Danny, Danny Lugo, was married. Lillian Torres was her name. She was pregnant at the time with his baby. So she, he's spending a lot of time at the warehouse because he's also still going to work at the Sun Gym. Right. So he's having to balance time between the Sun Gym and... Uh, Keep an eye on Mark Schiller. His wife, Lillian Torres, who is pregnant, starts accusing him of cheating. And to calm her nerves and prove her wrong, he's like, no, I'm not cheating. He takes her to the warehouse and shows her Mark Schiller, and it makes her feel better. She's like, oh, God, thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like the one where, you know, the husband is so nervous that his wife's going to find out that he's playing video games with the guys. Still, he's like, no, I've been cheating on you. And she's like, oh, okay, I thought you were thought you were just hanging out with the boys again. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. Kind Only of. he is hanging out with the boys <laughs> while torturing somebody. Right. And she's cool with it. <laughs> and taking everything he owns. And uh, planning the murder him. And she was like, yeah, it was a relief to her. She's like, oh, God. <laughs> thought you were dicking down some other some other woman. <laughs> I know how you guys like to go to those strip clubs. 
And all our blankets are gone in the house. Can you get our blankets back? <laughs> and I recently got a receipt for five adult ninja costumes. <laughs> and I'm just kind of wondering what's going on. Uh, Turns out you were just trying to kidnap this man, and I'm okay with that as long as you're not, you know, finger blasting a stripper from. <laughs> Schiller eventually, Mark Schiller eventually signs over a total of $1.2 million in cash and assets, plus a $2 million life insurance policy to Danny Lugo, which is where the murder comes into play because he had a $2 million life insurance policy. Uh. The gang then moved into Mark Schiller's house, sold his jewelry, his furniture, and his cars, and threw parties and just lived it up, all while Mark was tied up, blindfolded in this warehouse. How they got away with this baffles me. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, was, I stopped being unbaffled like five attempts ago. I just don't understand. Yeah. It's just like I mean I know it's the I know it's the nineties like computers and the internet aren't like huge yet or anything, but there's no way you could get away with this in twenty twenty two. No. No. Somebody would have questions. The man is missing. He's never showing up in person to get anything to sign anything. And they're living in his house. Nobody asks anything. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So after living it up for a while uh, in his house, <laughs> throwing parties, spending his money, uh, Danny Lugo eventually decides it's time to kill Mark Schiller. They're tired of having to keep an eye on him in this warehouse. And uh, so they, so one day they pump him full of alcohol. It was a mixture of tequila and chocolate liqueur, mm-hmm. which is the most disgusting combination of alcohol. And they also pump him full of sleeping pills. And they do this for three days. So they're pumping him full of alcohol, tequila, liquor, and sleeping pills for three days until Mark Schiller finally goes unconscious. He t- it took him three days of getting pumped. Yeah, what a that? beast! That's co- that's that Colombian in him. Yeah, I was gonna say it reminds me three of that days other- of sleeping pills, tequila, and tequila to make him go unconscious. Wow! Plus, probably, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say I'd ever want to die that way, but if you're gonna die. That's probably not a bad way to go. Kind of sleepy and drunk. Yeah. At 3 a.m. on the third day, they get... So, uh, Mark Schiller had a had a Toyota 4Runner. One of his less exotic cars is kind of running around town car, right? They uh, That's the one that they had saved from all his cars. They had sold the valuable ones. And so, at 3 a.m. on the third morning, they stuff Mark Schiller into the driver's seat of his Toyota 4Runner... Put a brick over the gas, and Danny Lugo jumps out, and they run the vehicle head on into a tree. That's pretty. And they go to check on. They they folded the front end of the car. This car is totaled. They hit it at a high speed. For all the failed attempts, this thing's getting buttoned up pretty pretty nicely. It is, yeah, yeah. Because they, uh, unfortunately for Mark Schiller, they go to check on him in the in the crumpled heap of this car. Um, but he wasn't dead. Oh, <laughs> still breathing, still. Uh, he's just roughed up a little bit. Fucking engine smoking. It's wrapped around a tree. <laughs> so then they feel they get a gas of uh, a jug of gas out of their van. 
Douse the interior of the car with gasoline, light it on fire to finish the job, and then run off. As they're in their van, quickly getting buckled up, they look up, and unfortunately for them, the burning heat and fire had woken up Mark Schiller completely, and when they look up, he climbs out of the car and stands beside it, and he's still, he's got some fire in some places, he like knocks the fire off, and he's standing there outside the wreckage, still 100% alive. (laughs) It's like Rasputin. They then get frustrated while sitting there in the van, turn on the van, and they just beeline it for Mark Schiller in the van. <laughs> oh. But on the first pass, keep in mind Mark Schiller's still really drunk. He kind of drunkenly falls out of the way, and they miss him. <laughs> but... Unfortunately for Mark Schiller, as he lay there on the ground trying to figure out what what's going on with serious burns and injuries from the car wreck, the gang then throw it in reverse and they back over him twice. But dump, but dump. Finishing the job, they then sped away. Um, but I feel like the cops are going to have questions. <laughs> this does not anymore look like. A case of a drunk driving accident (laughs) or a suicide of any kind. And you know they're driving off like, good job, guys. They're not going to suspect a thing. The tire marks Um, on his face (laughs) came from his own car. Uh, Let's completely ignore the fact that there's gasoline traces all over the inside of the interior. (laughs) Um, So they sped away. Um... Oh, I forgot to tell y'all uh, uh, one thing I left out. Mark Schiller was still alive. <laughs> no, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why I'm laughing right now. That is so tragic. Mark Schiller's still alive. He's what? laying there, soft tissue damage, broken bones, burns, oh. and now he's been run over twice. Still very much alive. And this burning car brings on the police. The police bring on paramedics. And in the ICU at Jackson Memorial Hospital, it was discovered that Mark Schiller had a broken pelvis, a shattered spleen, a ruptured bladder, and several serious burns. (laughs) But he survived. (laughs) And when he woke up in the hospital, keep in mind, they don't know who this is yet. Oh. Well, how when he woke they? up in the hospital, he starts yelling to the nurses about being kidnapped by bodybuilders. <laughs> the nurses, though, think he's just some drunk crackhead, so they tell him to shut up, and they completely ignore him. Oh. Schiller, after begging with the staff... That he's been kidnapped by bodybuilders and they tried to kill him. Nobody's listening to him. From the hospital, he calls a private eye by the name of Ed Dubois. And Ed Dubois will play a very big role in part two of this story. Uh, And on this first phone call, Dubois initially thought the whole thing was absolutely ridiculous. He told Mark Schiller that if all of that is true, if I were you, I would get the fuck out of that hospital and I would get out of Miami because they're going to come back and they're going to finish you off. 
And uh, and it's at this point Mark Schiller takes Ed Dubois' advice and hires a $6,000 medical ambulance flight from Miami to New York City and gets transported to New York City, far out of the reach of these dumbasses, these meatheads. And at 8 a.m. the next morning, Mark Schiller does leave the hospital on his hired medical flight. And it's good that he did that because two hours later, that very same morning at 10 a.m., Danny Lugo and Jorge Delgado show up at the hospital to finish him off. But he was gone. He was on his way to New York City. Did they get caught? They did not. What? <laughs> they did not. You would have thought that that's like they're putting all that expense into the the thought that this guy's going to they're coming back for None this of guy. them believe him. Oh my gosh. I uh, the luck that these They fools think he's just have. crazy a crazy drunk. I can't believe it. You, you and I could fly, like when we do Kent and the Opera Famous, which is a little thing we're going to do where we drop into a city and find out if we're famous in that city. You and I could drop into that city and be like, hey, let's try to do a crime. And we would get caught in three minutes. Yes. Not these yeah. guys. Unless I, you were at an airport. <laughs> With my shirt on. Yeah. My airport shirt on. Because you look like every guy that's at the airport. <laughs> You're like Rorschach. <laughs> People see you and immediately forgot they interacted with you. <laughs> yeah, never got caught. Oh, my God. Never got caught. For the next four months, Mark Schiller laid low in Columbia, healing and getting his strength back. And while he was there in Columbia, unfortunately, the gang completely drained his bank account and lived in his house. Oh, jeez. So he's just having to watch this from another country, just watch his bank account drain. And um, and they took over his house. They took over his whole life and just drained it. <laughs> In April of 1995, Mark Schiller did report what happened to him to the Metro-Dade Organized Crime Unit. But once again, nobody believed him. An investigation was never put on, and Danny Lugo was never even questioned. What? Wow. Mark Schiller knew who did this. He knew who it was. Well, and at some point, he has to have come to a little bit more than just rabbling about bodybuilders. Like, he had to be a little more coherent. Yeah, at he's some sober point. now. He's healing. He's in Columbia. Um, he had some offshore accounts. Uh, so he had a little, some backup funds. Um, but he's going to be a very big player in part two because in part two, there is murder. And because the gang eventually, like like idiots always do when they do shit like this, they run out of money, and uh, and they're they're ready to step up their crimes a bit. And this is where part one ends, and we will pick up part two in the next episode because they're getting ready to move from kidnapping to murder. Wow, wow! This is a treat. This one's a treat. I'm tempted to watch the movie in between part one and part two, but I kind of don't want to because I don't want to see how it ends until you. The movie is so far from what actually happened that you can watch it and enjoy it, and it won't it won't ruin anything. Okay, all right. Well, that's good to know. All right, I might watch it. Oh, that's fun. Well, and we'll pick up uh, on part two. Okay, we'll pick up on part two. You don't feel good, so we should let you go so you can go rest. And I don't want to diminish or minimize how you feel or anything, but my cheeks hurt from laughing. So I'm going to Yeah, this is a fun episode. Yeah, this was a good one. 
and it's going to get even crazier next next in part two. I can't wait. So I'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. And if you and if you uh, if you like this, go to our Patreon, eleven fifty nine Media, and uh, sign up for tier thirteen or even tier five. We even have a two dollar tier. We do a two dollar tier. The monthly it's a sampler. sampler. Yeah, and it's it's a best kind of a combination. <laughs> The best of, you get the first five episodes of our daily show, Extraterrestrials. You get uh, a select uh, best of of 911 Calls podcast. You get a best of selection of 911 Calls Plus. And then monthly, you get a handful of daily show episodes, sort of a uh, curated list, and two, not, two uncut 911 Calls podcasts and two pluses. Yes. Every month. So we figured, what could we do for people that either only have $2 or have trust issues? And that's what we decided to do. Um, oh, well, let's clarify really quick before we end. So, because a lot of people are like, they'll listen to this and they'll be like, where the heck's part two? Um, so when this goes live public, part one, part two, go they get dropped together. Yes. Uh, but... On, on Patreon, if you're listening to this on Patreon, part one gets dropped now and part two gets dropped as soon as it gets finished and recorded. Yeah, there seemed to be a con- some confusion about that in the past with part ones and parts twos. Yeah. The benefit to being on Patreon is you get to listen to them as they're finished. You don't have to wait until both drop at the same time. Right. And so you get you, you it, and the benefit to not being on Patreon is you're going to listen to both at the same time. So save save your money. I don't know what I just, I don't know. Anti- I mean, you, you go to Patreon and, and we, we have a daily show. Yeah, you'll have more than enough content to Every single day, Monday through Friday, there's an episode. It's 10 hours of content a week. A week. And I got to say, it's pretty good. I don't know about you, but uh, it's it's doing well enough where I'm like. You literally what? have to say that. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) It's our most award-winning, I believe, is all the other thing I have to say. Speaking of daily shows, we should wrap up part one of this because we have to record one (laughs) right now. And and that's it. And that's the end. And that's and bye. All right, love you so much. Mm -hmm. But I do love you.